Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, brother, it's uh, always good to see you every week, and uh, I think we we have a topic today that we're both passionate about, and uh, I think every real true believer will be, uh, and that's the topic of evangelism. Um, I, I say we're passionate about it, but uh, I want to look at some statistics. We'll just jump right in, um, but maybe before we do that, uh, evangelism is a scary word for a lot of people, unfortunately. Right. Um, it's not been it's it's either not been emphasized uh in the church or um it, it's it's emphasized in a way that's not biblical evangelism. So why don't yeah. you just help us understand what do mean what do we mean when we talk about evangelism? Yeah, evangelism comes uh, from the Greek word euangelizomai, uh, and that's to evangelize, to share the good news literally. And the good news is about Jesus Christ. And I agree with you. I think today there's a lot of um, trepidation about it, and there's a lot of reasons. Uh, for one, I think people just may not be comfortable with their understanding of the gospel or how to share the gospel or feel that they're inadequately inadequately equipped to deal with the kinds of uh, pushback or, or the objections to the gospel. But, but also, I think we live in a culture where we, um, we kind of live in this quote-unquote coexist culture where people want to just believe what they believe and, and safe space culture where they don't want to be subjected to people who disagree with them or may tell them things that are unpleasant. And so we're dealing with that too. I think there's a lot of cultural influences, but I think even from the beginning, it's not a comfortable thing to try to get into someone else's uh, space and present Jesus Christ to them. You know, So I, I think that there's always that natural fear of man that's involved there as well. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. And I think you know, everything in our culture sort of in, in in our culture, in the Christian church, in our culture, you know, ties together. It's not that you can separate e e uh, evangelizing from Christianity, from your, um, uh, your, your faithfulness in the local church. If you're not faithful in the local church, you're probably not evangelizing, right? No. Um, if you're not in a biblical church, um, you might be evangelizing, but you might not be evangelizing the true gospel. And so all mm. these things are really interconnected and and they and they matter um, to, to your point about being people being uncomfortable of sort of getting in someone else's uh, space, as it were. I think that's good language because we hear that today. Right. My safe space and yeah. things like yeah. that. Um, and uh, so I, I, I want to pull up this first set of statistics because it really speaks to that. Now. Look, when we talk about statistics, I, I, we've, we should acknowledge two things simultaneously. One, they're incredibly helpful um, or can be to give us a general idea or view of trends. And then two, we take them with a grain of salt because statistics can be easily manipulated um, You know, when you're taking polls of just a few thousands of people you know, in a country with you know, 30 million or whatever we are. Um, you know, they can they can be not as accurate as we would hope. So, but yeah. they're good to look at. And I, I personally love statistics because of, uh, it gives you kind of a general idea. Now, the first one I want to pull up by Barna. I like Barna. They're generally pretty thorough in their definition and explanations. So you can go and, and find out exactly who they're polling, what questions they're asking. So you can get a feel for 
okay, how, how are they coming to these kind of statistics? But the one I want to share first is uh, the, the question that they asked. Now, this was in, let's see, 2019. This one was in 2019. Um, and it was on generational differences on faith sharing. And so they have millennials, Gen Xers, boomers, elders. Those are the age groups you would, everyone would kind of typically think of. Um, but I, let me just start with the millennials and the question, and I'll go up the, the, the row, but the question is this, is it wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith? Now you've looked at this, uh, this poll before I know. Well, so these are all professing Christians, right? 47% of professing, practicing millennials said that, yes, it's wrong. 47%. Mm-hmm. And and so I, 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 the first question that should be asked when we look at statistics like this is, are you actually genuinely a Christian? Yeah. And, and, and I don't mean that to be overbearing or harsh, <clears throat> but... Right, you go to Matthew twenty-eight ten, and of course Jesus is immediately talking to the disciples he sent out. But we understand this to be uh, the great commission generally for all believers. Right? He says, "Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you." I mean, so this is the at the very base level Christianity. This is the command that every Christian should know and should be striving to be obedient to. And here you've got 47. So basically half of millennials say, no, it's wrong to obey this commandment. What what, what are your thoughts, responses to that? Well, and we saw examples of that, for instance, with the Black Lives Matter rallies. After the COVID shutdown happened, uh, there were church leaders who were telling their people go and participate in these rallies and do not evangelize because that's not what mm-hmm. this is for, which to yeah. me is an incredible thing to say as a church leader, incredibly bad thing to say as a church leader, because there is no message more important than the gospel. Now I understand wanting to pick kind of the right time and, and place to, to be able to share that. Um, but to, to encourage people to go to a rally and just support the rally without sharing the gospel. Yeah. That, that the priorities there just, seem to be way off. And when we talk talk about making disciples, well, how do you make disciples without first bringing people to faith? If we were never yeah. to share the faith and all we did was just disciple those who are believers, well, the, the faith would never survive beyond the current generation, right? There, there has yeah. to be some evangelism. There has to be sharing of the gospel. And, and this is what should mark us as believers, that not only are we saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, but now we have new, new priorities recognizing that as that is the greatest gift we have ever received, that is also the greatest gift we can provide to someone else to actually share with them the good news and provide them with that opportunity to repent and put their faith into Christ. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's a saddening statistic, but it just goes to show that, I, I mean, this is something that is, look, this understanding of the Great Commission, what we call the Great Commission, which I think is fine to call it that, um, but this is a foundational, this is like Christianity 101. This yeah. is like Christianity 100. Um, you know, and so for almost half of a generation to say, not, not only do I not want to do that, but it's actually but it's wrong. wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and 
And so it means that these guys, they aren't in biblical churches, if they're in churches at all. They don't know their Bible if they yeah. are in a church. Um, so there's a lot of things that are indicative of that kind of mindset. And this is kind of why I said at the beginning, you know, it's all tied together. Um, if someone tells me that, you know, they don't believe in evangelism or they don't evangelize um, or they think it's wrong to evangelize. I mean, that instantly tells me a whole lot about their spiritual life. And yeah. and I have a good I have good indications of you know what what kinds of churches they're in if they're in any churches whether or not they're reading their bible things like that um you go up the list and it it gets significantly smaller but to be honest this is such a fundamental belief in the christian faith that it's still shocking so gen xers um 27% so almost 30% yeah. of of the almost generation one out of three, above yeah. one out of four right. yeah believes again that it's wrong now if this wasn't mm -hmm. such a foundational simple doctrine you know maybe we could understand some difficulty um you you get into eschatology and i can understand difficulties with well how and which and things like that but but this isn't one of those issues um boomers that category which actually i hate that label but anyway um the boomer category um and we don't mean boomer as in just a slur for uh, anything that someone right. deems old-fashioned right the actual yeah. category of age group but 19 percent, so 20 percent here um five, yeah. yeah 20 percent here of guys who say it's wrong and then elders now um this is might be the most shocking also 20 percent um mm. th these would have been guys who would have grown up in under in a different culture than what we have now in america um well i i, I, I remember i remember there was um I want to say it was, well, I can't remember for, for sure. It was one of the presidential candidates on the Republican side. I want to say it was John McCain. I'm not positive about that, but I believe it was him. Um, he's a Christian. But when he was asked about his faith, he said, my faith is a private matter. So mm -hmm. that's the kind of attitude uh, of those who claim to be Christians um, that they give that response. They probably believe it's wrong to just share my faith uh, with, with someone else uh, and, and expect them to, to listen. The, um, the other thought that comes to mind um, is actually I'm drawing a blank now. <laughs> I can't remember what was the, the second thought. You, you go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Um, but just to say that it, it it's shocking for that group because this this is a group of people who would have grown up in a very different time. Uh, most professing Christians would have been going to church and that sort of thing. But to to your oh yeah, you got it. Go yeah, ahead. So, so I do remember that. Penn and Teller. Uh, Penn and Teller is, um, I, I think there's some sort of uh, entertainment team. I, they do magic tricks or, or combination of magic tricks and, and comedy. But one of the two, the, the taller one of the two, told a story about how someone had came and shared uh, one of these um, the, these miniature Bibles that had the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs and, and gave to him, shared the gospel with him. Now, he's an atheist, but as he was telling this story, he actually said, you know what, if you really believe that people are going to hell if they don't uh, believe what you believe, then why wouldn't you share it? Of course you're going to share it. So, so it was interesting hearing even from an atheist who was recalling this um, evangelism from someone else, and though he didn't believe and doesn't believe in the faith, he recognized um, that the need to share it if you're truly convinced of what it is that, that you're teaching. So to even atheists, though they may not say it, they may not be honest about it, if they look at us and then they see someone who's convicted of their beliefs, but we don't share it. We look like hypocrites. I mean, yeah. what kind of hate 
could you have for someone not to share a message that they absolutely need? And I think also a good illustration was when there was a big earthquake down in the Indian Ocean, tsunamis in every direction. I think those were the early 2000s. And it wiped out many of the beaches in southern Thailand. And if you knew that a tsunami was coming, and there was a story of a little girl who had just been going to class. She had learned about tsunamis that week. She saw the water going way out. And she was taught that week that that's one of the signs that a tsunami is coming. And she turned around and told her parents, a tsunami is coming, a tsunami is coming. They said, are you sure? She said, yeah, we studied that this week and this is what happens. Well, what is your responsibility if you know that a tsunami is coming? Should you just leave? Or should you at least try to warn everyone who's actually there that a tsunami is coming? They need to get to higher ground, right? Well, I think anyone who's of any kind of reasonable mind will understand the obligation that the person has to warn everyone else. If you don't warn everyone else, you're going to be called a, a coward and someone who's just unloving. How much more so for things of eternal nature when we talk about the gospel? You know, that brings up a really good point and really kind of gets, I think, to the heart of the issue. Why? Because ultimately we need to ask the question, why aren't professing Christians evangelizing? Um, and maybe some of our listeners need to ask that question about themselves. Why am I not evangelizing? I mean, there really are just a couple options found foundationally. Either we don't really believe that people are going to hell. No. Or we aren't concerned enough that they're going to hell. I, I, I mean, there, there are a lot of uh, things that could be attached to those. Uh, those two things, but ultimately one of those two things is going to be at the center. Uh, either either we don't really care enough, we do believe we just don't care, or we just don't really believe in the reality of hell. Um, it, you know, and and this is we're we're assuming here people who have come to the faith, they have some understanding of the gospel. Well, they wouldn't be in the faith if they don't. That's another problem. Um, and so there's at least a little bit of maturity, right? I think there's room for uh, the brand new Christian who doesn't know that this is a command, except that oftentimes it's that person that's just been converted that yeah. is so excited and so thrilled um, yeah. that God would save someone like them that they mm -hmm. want to tell everyone, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so you really can't even use that excuse. Um, and, and so I, I think I think we need to be asking the question, why, you know, why aren't Christians sharing the gospel? Well, one one thing is interesting. Uh, the next statistic that I want to share kind of ties into this here. In this one, the question was, if someone disagrees with you, now this is a, a uniquely current American view. If someone disagrees with you, it means they are judging you. Yes or no. Mm -hmm. Right. Most impressive. 40%. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 40% of millennials said yes. So yeah. th this is, I think, plays into w why they don't evangelize. Well, because yeah. if someone's another has another faith, if I tell them that's not the right faith, right, then I'm judging them. And well, of course you're judging them. But the problem is our culture teaches that any judgment, right, is unloving. And so, again, this is a result, I think, of being more worldly than Christian, right? You you misunderstand what it means. Yeah, and I, and I would guess that the majority of that 40% who says is judging to disagree with someone else are probably the same people that believe there are multiple roads to heaven, right? So that's the only way you can reconcile that. 
to say that, well, it's judging, so you shouldn't judge. And if that's really the highest command, that you shouldn't judge someone who believes a lie, it must be because you believe that they're actually going to go to heaven for what they believe. So as long as someone is sincere, as long as someone is believing in some higher entity, universalism. Um, but as I've told other people that um, have indicated to me that they believe in some form of universalism, I'll tell that person, look, I've got news for you. Not only are you not a Christian, but you were never a Christian. Because as a Christian, you need to be firmly convinced that not only is Jesus Christ the way to salvation, but he is the only way. And he is the only way because he is the only one who could have lived a perfect life. He is the only one that could have gone to the cross and offered himself up as a perfect sacrifice. So it does require some understanding there. Now, also, I would say this. some of the Sometimes new believers, um, not only are they not sure about uh, that, that command or they haven't been taught that, but they also might not be comfortable about how they share it. You know, they're afraid of sharing it wrongly, even though they may have yeah. responded rightly to the right gospel. And, uh, and in that case, um, some training, some materials, basic gospel tracks. I mean, there, there's a lot of ways that you can help equip someone for sharing the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting about that statistic, if you if someone disagrees with you, it means you're judging them. The irony is that they're quite literally judging Jesus Christ. No. Yeah. Because Jesus is the one that said, go and do this. And they are judging God as being wrong in that command. I, it's, yeah. it's just the irony is a bit shocking there. Twenty-two mm percent -hmm. um, of Generation X said that that it was uh, it, it was wrong to disagree. Nine percent of Boomers and eleven percent of Elders. Um, it, it those things should be zero for Christians, even just at the fundamental level, right? Yeah. Uh, we're called to make righteous judgments. I mean, everything you do, and no one goes a a a day in their life without making you know hundreds of judgments. Yeah. Um, and hmm. so we, we should understand that, uh, but it's just, it's interesting. Let, let me go to, um, an, another, uh, a, another poll here. And these are all kind of showing the same thing. I'm just, I want to give several different sources, um, so that we can see, I mean, this is a, a genuine product problem and the statistics are a little bit different from each poll, but they're generally, uh, the, the same, yeah. um, now, this is interesting. So this was put up by um, CBN. Uh, and let's see. Yeah, so a Lifeway. They pulled this from a Lifeway wow. thing in 2022. And says just under four in 10 have shared the salvation message. When it comes to self-described Christians sharing how to become a believer, just 38% report doing so for a friend or family member over the past six months. Um, now, let, let me read another statistic because I think that one is a little bit harder. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't often live very close to families. We don't often have a yeah. lot of interactions these days. Right. So right. I do take that one heavily with a grain of salt. Um, but here's another interesting one. Um it says, coming off an era of intense social isolation due to COVID-19 pandemic, it seems Christians aren't sharing as fervently as they could uh, be with non-Christians. 48% report, 40% rather, reported speaking with these individuals about faith. So just faith in general. Only 34% invited someone they don't know to church, but only out of, that, out of that group, only 30 actually discussed with someone how to become a Christian. So here again, 30% of professing yeah. believers. 
Um, and, and so again, just very similar, um, statistics. Uh, another one from Lifeway done in 2022. Uh, now this is interesting because, um, this one is from unbelievers. This statistic was interviewing non-Christians and, uh, it's, they found that three in 10 said that a Christian has shared the gospel with them. So only three out of 10. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so 29% of unbelievers have said in their group that a Christian has ever shared with them one-on-one how to become a Christian. Um, I, I mean, that's shockingly low. Well, that's not only shockingly low, but I bet that those three and 10, a lot of them didn't actually hear the true gospel. That's probably true. Yeah. It's reasonable to assume that. Yeah. 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 And, and so, and, and I think this is one of the issues. And I think in our day um, and age, there are now, there's large competition for evangelism of the gospel because now we have entire groups of people who are evangelizing their political party. And, and I think that's just a very real thing. Right. Um, you know, how many Christians have, and I, and, you know, I've posted some things about this at times, how much more willing are professing Christians to try to convert someone to their preferred political party than they Mm -hmm. are to Christ. I mean, it's, it's shocking. We'll, we'll sign up and go early to polling stations. We'll look for volunteers for polling stations. We'll try to convince people, you know, of, uh, our, uh, political preference. Uh, the way we see things. I mean, we'll uh, argue, right? People into we're blue in the face. We don't care if they're offended or not. Uh, no. This is what's true. Um, and and we have Christians, I think, more professing Christians in large numbers that are willing to do that. And yet they still have family members that they've never shared the gospel with and are going to hell. They still have neighbors that they've never shared the gospel with and are mm. going to hell. Um and so it, it's it, it's a shocking reality and a competition, I think. For the well, and some of it too, I, I think some of it is just the syncretism we're experiencing in America, where we have more and more politicians actually showing up to church to to give sermons, right? And and some of these politicians, look, I, I identify more on the conservative end. I would identify with the views of uh, that many Republicans have, but I mean, some of these people, some of these Republicans who are invited to come in and speak to a church. Man, they need to open up the Bible and read and understand the Bible because their abuse of the scriptures is often just as bad, if not worse, than what we see on the left. And so I, I think a lot of that is happening where we start to treat political figures as really the, the high priests of our age. And then we look at them to, to be our saviors and even an extreme form of kind of the MAGA Christianity that uh, that that has started to portray Trump as being a spiritual messianic kind of figure. So I think this is partially um, the... You know the the American culture and the divide, and and it also kind of just reveals where our real heart is. That ultimately we're not as concerned about the eternal state as we are about the temporal state. Yeah, and I think that's where we, you know, as as Christians, and for guys who are listening to our podcast, for most of them, you know, they would be guys who love the Lord and they're learning their scriptures. And uh, I mean, we really need to be asking ourselves these kind of diagnostic questions: Do I really? Do I really believe in hell? I, I mean, it's a valid question, right? We're told at times it's good to check and see if you're in the faith, right? I mean, we really need to check and 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 ask the question: Do we really believe in hell? 
Um, and, and, and if we do, then we really need to be asking the question, do I actually love people? I, I mean, do I actually yeah. care that people around me are going to hell? Um, and, and I think to the degree that bothers us will be the degree that we evangelize. Um, because if you're deeply concerned about the souls of people <clears throat> around you, if you don't know the hows, mm -hmm. um, you'll, you'll find out, right? If you care that your neighbor's going to spend eternity in hell, if they die in their current state, you're going to go to your pastor, you're going to go to your elders, you're going to go to your church, you're going to look for tracks, you're going to look for help in how to evangelize. Um, you know, and, and if you're not concerned, and, and I think, you know, let me say this. Genuine believers, our faith and our faithfulness ebbs and flows. That's a part of normal Christianity, right? We have highs and lows. We have those yeah. times where you know we're we're being very faithful and God's empowering us to that end. Uh, we're being diligent in the disciplines of the faith, and then we have those seasons in our life where you know what we're we're just not that faithful. Um, it doesn't, you know, it's not an issue of losing salvation. But we let the world distract us. We let, uh, you know, things in life distract us. Um, and so I think sometimes when we find our hearts growing cold towards uh, the souls around us, we just need to re-engage in fervent prayer and ask God to give us a heart for the lost again. I and mean, we've yeah. got to have that, right? Um, I, I want to go to Romans real quick. I mean, you, you know the passage, right? Romans in Romans 10, um, I mean, it's, it, this is, you know, it's interesting for those of us who believe in the sovereignty of God or just believe our Bible. Um, we understand in predestination, we understand that God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. But then we also understand that the sharing of the gospel by words, by the way, is the primary means by which God brings people to himself. Right. And Paul speaks to that here in Romans 10. He says from 11 to 16, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is the Lord of all abounding in riches for all who call in him and whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so he gives us that. And then he and, and then he answers a whole bunch of questions here, really. Right. For, verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So how do unbelievers come to know Christ? How will they believe on him and whom they've not heard? They can't believe in Christ if they've not heard about him. And how will they hear without a preacher? And so in other words, they can't hear without a preacher. I mean, he just goes through this. It's so systematic and precise. 15, how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And then he just, in the end, at 16, he makes the, a statement of reality um, that should be comforting, that all are not going to heed the good news, right? Um, but we are all sent, right? I mean, this is the function of every believer. He's not here talking about pastors, right? Um, he's right. not talking about offices of the church. Um, every believer, man and woman, is to be, um, in a general sense, preaching the gospel, evangelizing to be more accurate. Um, doesn't make you a pastor, doesn't make you an elder. It just makes you a believer who's being faithful to the text. Yeah, First Peter 2, 9 and 10, for you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, I will add to this that, of course, there is discernment um, involved in all this. For instance, um, I am more willing to spend time with someone who has come into my church seeking counseling, but may not know the Lord. I'm going to spend more time sharing the gospel than I am, uh, than I'm willing to for someone who's an atheist and is just looking to attack the faith, right? Um, so you yeah. got to pick and choose uh, your, your, you know, who's, you know, where you're going to devote your attention. And and the other part that requires discernment too is that, you know, not everyone is gifted to be a street preacher. Some people do that extremely well, go out to a public place, you start proclaiming the gospel, going to people. Um, but if that's not you, start building relationships, you know, build relationships with those who are around you, get to know them, and look for opportunities to be able to share your faith that way, right? So the, yeah. the, the key here is to be intentional. You know, it doesn't mean that every single moment of every single day, you must be sharing the gospel with someone, but you should be intentional about the relationships that you have with. That, that you have. And, you know, j- just as the stat that you mentioned about friends and family members, some some of you are very fortunate to be in families of believers, right? And some people I know are in families like myself and my wife where we're the only believers, right? And sometimes you share the gospel and you find that they're just really hostile and they don't want to hear it, right? So the, the key, though, is, is to share it. And once yeah. you've shared it, um, if the person is open and, and willing to hear more, take that opportunity but if not, let your life let your life show the transformational work of the Spirit um, in your life. Let them see that your faith is not just something that you say, but it's something that that you live out as well. So th- this is not to say that every moment of every day you need to be going out and being a street preacher, but you should be intentional knowing that this is the greatest need of the world. Jesus Christ came the first time to save. He's going to come the second time to conquer. And in between, what's going on? Well, in between, we are called to share the gospel. And talking about the sovereignty of God, you mentioned that we do believe in election. We do believe in predestination. And a lot of people that attack those positions will say, well, you guys don't emphasize the gospel. You know, why, you know, why evangelize if God is sovereign over all that? Well, we evangelize because God is sovereign, um, because of God's sovereignty, meaning he is the highest in authority, not just the fact that he's in total control, but he is the highest in authority. This is exactly how people are brought to salvation by using us as vessels. And part of our testimony of how we believe, of how much we believe, if we were really convicted about it, is that we share it. So there, there's no yeah. other way around it. That That is part of our, our walk. That's how we show that we believe what we believe in. Yeah. And, and I think maybe we spend the rest of the time just kind of talking about that the hows, right? Um, I, I, th- I think the first thing that that a believer has to get settled in his heart is, is does he believe in hell? Um, and you really care about the souls yeah. around you. Yeah. You know, um, I had an interesting conversation uh, with a, a friend who works at Heart Cry one time. And um, in fact, we were out eating with him and um, and it was interesting. He was just kind of talking about some of the things that uh, he had to consider while he was working overseas. And one of the things was uh, that at some stage he needed to answer the question, does he really love the people? Um, and I think we've got to ask that. And, and I think evangelism is being hurt in the church largely because politically, uh, even in the church, we're basically being trained to hate people on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. But, you know, look, we, we don't see this in the apostles. We don't see this in Jesus. Uh, we don't see this in the early church fathers. I mean, there is no time in church history where the faithful have viewed the opponent's of the gospel um, 
as being those who they hate. Now, the conversation of hating sin and sinfulness and evil and wickedness, that's that's a different conversation. That's a different category of things. But if you're conservative, I mean, we're, we're on the conservative side of things. Um, I can't look at um, the, the politically liberal and hate them and still right. think that I'm going to weep over their souls and I'm going to yeah. want to share the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think today, I, I think one of Satan's greatest achievements in our current culture is is two things. One, convincing American Christians that they're more American than they are Christian. I think he's winning that temporarily. And then I think another place where he's doing very well is uh, to convince Christians to hate those that they should be praying for and sharing the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knows if you hate someone, you're not praying for them, guaranteed, uh, and you're probably not sharing the gospel with them. And I think those are the spiritual dynamics, or at least a couple that I see behind, uh, you know, our our current our current conversation. Yeah, I think that's very insightful because if you if you were to watch media, even go to YouTube and, and follow third party news reporters, you, you'll see that both on the left and on the right side of politics, there's a lot of demonization of the opposite end. There's a lot of vilifying. There's a lot of painting people into this kind of this dark corner of, of being evil. And we have to remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Um, the weapons of war is not flesh and blood. It's spiritual. It's bringing out the truth. Now, I will say that on Twitter, for example, we have a lot of experiences being attacked by, by feminists and progressives. And, you know, I choose not to engage oftentimes because a lot of them are, are just you know they're they're there to spew hate and Jesus says do not cast your pearl before swine and I say that they're not swine because of their position I say that because they're just not willing to listen right yeah and so again yeah. it comes down to discernment in terms of when and how much time you're going to spend and because sometimes you're talking to someone and they're actually not interested in hearing the truth they're just looking for ways to attack you right yeah often the case when <clears throat> for instance I'm talking to um, atheists or even spiritual conversations with, say, for instance, uh, a Jehovah's Witness, especially one who's been an elder in the Jehovah's Witness order. Um, they're not really there to hear your arguments. They're there to try to counter your arguments. And, and so those kinds of conversations, um, in my opinion, are not all that fruitful. Um, but again, be intentional, right? Because it, because we have to share it. We do have to share it. And God is going to bring salvation. And even in some of those cases where you're not sure, share the gospel anyway. Right. Yeah. You you just never know how the gospel is going to change people. And just look around at your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Talk to those who used to be atheists. Find out their testimony of how they came to know the Lord and use those testimonies as really a reminder to yourself that God indeed can save anyone from any position. You know, you just have to be faithful with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I and that's a good point. And so I think, you know, moving from the things you need to get settled, um, you know, believing in hell, do you really love people? Do you care that people are going to hell? Then the there's this, well, how do I do this? Do I evangelize all the time? And you really you've touched on all of that. Um and, and I would just encourage people, look, if if your church isn't teaching on evangelism, it, it might it might just be it's not in the current curriculum, but go talk to your pastors. Go talk to yeah. your elders. Uh go talk to friends who you know, you know, are doing, you know, these things on a regular basis. Um, find good sources, uh, right? I mean, read Spurgeon. 
If you want a heart for the lost, yeah, you, you can yeah. read Spurgeon. He'll give you a heart for the lost. Um, I mean, Spurgeon talks about, I, I actually have this quote. Uh, it's about a paragraph, so I don't have it memorized, but it written in the front of one of my Bibles. And he talks about if souls are going to be damned to hell, let them have to leap over your dead body to get there. Yeah, right, um, right, I, right. I mean, it, but it just paints such a picture of the the desperate desire to see the law saved. Um, and then you make good points. We've got to use w- wisdom too, right? Yeah. Um, not every conversation is going to be fruitful. I'm, you know, I have done street preaching. I'm going to be doing a lot more of it this year, uh, but I'm not a street, street preacher. I'm not that great at it. Um, but you know what? Uh, I don't have to be. Um, no. No. You know, I, I have opportunities that I just can't miss uh, because they're good sure. opportunities. Mm-hmm. And and so, and so in my weakness as a street preacher, they're just tools that I use to help me. Uh, I'm never going to be Ray Comfort, right? Uh, and I know yeah. myself well yeah. enough. I don't need to try. But guess what? Ray Comfort has some really good Bible tracks that I can use, um, you know, to help. Uh, for our people in the church, I mean, just one thing we've done on the back of our church business cards, we actually have a Bible track on the back mm. of the business cards. Nice. Um, and I stole that idea from another church somewhere. I saw that's it on theirs idea. and I thought, man, that's yeah. that's an amazing idea. That's a good And it's idea. the full gospel on the yeah. back of just a business card. Um, and, and so there are things that you can do, um, you know, carry a few of those with you. Uh, and so every time you give out, invite someone to church, they've got the gospel and you can talk about it. You can mention it. At least they have it. Um, so there is wisdom. So I, there shouldn't be condemnation. If uh, you don't feel like you're not witnessing to every grocery store clerk, every gas station clerk, but you know, if you can look back yeah. and, and I would say 12 months, if you can look back in 12 months and, and you've hardly shared the gospel at all, something's wrong. Um, yeah. and, and you need to reevaluate that. What, what, what would you say to that? Yes. Some of it is your exposure to, I mean, some of you are in, positions where you're exposed to a lot of people out in public. Some aren't. Um, you know, us as pastors, we tend to spend a lot of time ministering to those within the church. Um, so we may not have the same kind of opportunities. But I remember listening to Alex Montoya. And Alex Montoya talked about how he went to get a haircut. And he spent so much time with believers that he specifically looked for a pagan. He went to a pagan to cut his hair just so he can share the gospel. right? Or he goes out and jogs in areas just so he can find someone to jog alongside with and to, and, and share the gospel. So you, it, again, you just have to be intentional about it and recognize our mission. If you understand that this is our mission, that we are not simply here to be a part of a social club within the church. Now, that said, I'm, you know, you and I, we are um, big proponents of the the church and and the services that happen within the church and worshiping together, praying together, fellowshipping together, all of that. But that's not all that we've been called to. We need to be a witness to the outside world. And another way to look at it is this: if at the workplace people don't know that you're a Christian, something is wrong, right? And and one of the ways that you show you're a Christian is to share your faith, obviously, but they, they need to be able to see from your actions, your behavior, from your words, that there is something different about you. And let me add this, because I worked in corporate America for many years. Um, I, I was saved later in life, but I was still in corporate America for a number of years before I was called to be a pastor. 
there's a lot of rules and regulations at the workplace that uh, prevent you from sharing your religious convictions. They put things in place that say you shouldn't do that. You can't email, things like that. You can't solicit. You, you can't just willingly bring um, the, the gospel to someone. But there are still ways to share. So at the workplace, you know, when you get into a conversation with fellow coworkers, eventually I'll share things that are going on spiritually. At that time, I was going to seminary. So I'll tell people, yeah, things have been busy. I've been going to seminary. And they'll say, oh, you're going to seminary? It's like, why? what made you decide to do that? Well, at that point, they asked, right? So it's so at that point, it's solicited. Yeah. I can actually share my testimony. I can share with them how important this is uh, and all that. And that oftentimes will lead to opportunities for other conversations. So you just have to be thoughtful. You have to be a little yeah. bit crafty. And crafty, I don't mean that in a deceitful way, but crafty in the in the sense of, you know what, be be wise as serpents, innocent as doves, and look for opportunities to get around some of the rules and regulations. If, if that's your excuse, there are ways around that. If someone asks yeah. you, you have every right to answer the question. You know, what I was told, and I was given a wonderful opportunity to lead a Bible study when I was in the workplace, um, but the what I was told from the human resource department or the talent management department, I can't post any posters, flyers, I can't send out any emails, I can't approach anyone at their desk and tell them about the Bible study, but I can have the Bible study. Well, things just got around by word of mouth. There are believers who know other believers, uh, and, and they just have those conversations, and people end up just showing up. Um, so you can find ways around those kinds of yeah. rules and regulations if you're just thoughtful about it. Yeah. And so I think the key here is that you're thinking about it, right? Yeah. You're looking for ways. And the reason, by the way, I, I was very specific um, when I said in 12 months that you've not shared the gospel. Yeah. Um, I, I did not use the kind of st stereotypical Baptist language of you didn't lead anyone to Christ. Yeah, it, it, if someone's talking like that, find someone else to listen to. Um, because it doesn't matter what number, right? Yeah. First, that's, that's not up to you. And it's, mm -hmm. that's an, and, and I think this is an interesting point because a lot of guys are, I mean, we're, we're both Baptists, um, come from kind of that idea that you're not doing real evangelism. If you haven't led anyone to the Lord, first right. of all, that's not right. your job. That's right. God's job. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of the questions that sometime back we were going through interview process for, uh, Nam. One of the questions they asked was focused on how many people I'd led to the Lord in two years, which is interesting. They actually did not care whether or not I was being diligent to present the gospel. Oh, yeah. That, that yeah. wasn't a question at all. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. in fact, there was not even any room to talk about that. They just wanted numbers of how many people had supposedly come to the Lord. Uh, you had led to the Lord. But that's right. not what we're called to. Um, and, and just to, just to prove it biblically, right. Jesus says, you go into a town, you're not received, kick your feet, the dust off your feet and leave, uh, yeah. fall. Right. I mean, they didn't receive him in places clearly because they nearly yeah. beat him to death. Um, no, no, well, no Noah and he, Jeremiah, um, you know, I, Je yeah. Jeremiah ministered for close to 50 years, never saw someone repent. Um, Noah, um, Longer than that, well, it's as like 150 years, 120, about, 100, something so, yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, yeah, over 100, 100, over 100 years, and and uh, yeah. really all he had was him and his family. Um, so yeah, the the number that respond to the message is not on you. The results belong to the Lord. Yeah. And when people start to emphasize numbers, what that inevitably leads to is a focus on methods. Well, if you're not yeah. getting numbers, that means you're using the wrong kinds of methods. And it's those emphasis upon methods that led to unbiblical thinking like the altar call. You know, Charles Finney, 
where he would jam people into a revival meeting and he wouldn't let them leave until they gave their life to Christ so that he can come out later on and say, I've led so-and-so number of hundreds of people to, to Christ. And yeah. really, they're not really being saved. Ray Comfort, when he used to be with Hillsong Church, um, he was convicted by the fact that 90% of the people who had supposedly been Christians ended up leaving the church. And he did research into the Bible saying, well, how could this be? And that's when he realized that, you know what? They weren't sharing the full gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing, too. Talking about the true gospel, the gospel is not Jesus has a wonderful plan in, for your life if you just put your faith in him. The, the gospel is that you're a sinner, and as a yeah. sinner, you deserve eternal damnation. But if you understand that you're a sinner, then you understand why Jesus Christ had to come. So you have to lead with, with the bad news. You have to include the, the truth about sin, the truth about eternal damnation. And the call to repent and explaining what repentance means. I just <clears throat> had a conversation with a young lady earlier today in my office, uh, mentioned uh, the the need to repent and really stopped and said, do you know what that means to, to repent? And, and to repent is to turn away from your current ways of wickedness, turn towards God. And you think about disciples. Um, if you put your faith in Christ, you are a disciple of Christ. That's the whole idea behind the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. These are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did a disciple do? A disciple is a student. They followed after their master. So as disciples of Christ, we follow after Jesus Christ. So part of that repentance has built into it that we become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, that's how we express our faith um, is by following him. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's, I mean, and, and really that's when you talk about methods or how that is more important is that you are sharing yeah. the gospel and, right. and we, we shouldn't even have to say this, uh, but we do. It, you can't share the gospel unless you use words. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and it, you know, it's interesting when oftentimes um, when you're dialoguing with, you know, these so-called progressive Christians and you ask them to tell you the gospel. They, they they either can't or won't do it yeah. because they don't want to call people to repent of sin. And almost all of them support, uh, you know, the, the LGBTQ, which is absolutely sinful. Um, and, and I think that's that's a so let's talk about methods for a few minutes. Um, I, and, and I would just say generally to people, look, there are a ton of methods. Pick one that is that is the that uses the biblical gospel yeah. and, and that you like the most. Right, no. that you personally are the most comfortable with. So, if it's Romans Road, great. Um, Heart Cry Ministries, Paul Washer has some great, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, tracks, right? Tracks, yeah. That you yeah. can give out. Um, there's a ton of those kinds of tools that just help until you get the hang of it. Um, and again, we're not necessarily talking about street preaching. Um, yeah. You know, oftentimes we're far more, um, it, it's, I understand being nervous when you're street preaching. Um, I, I can get in, I can preach in front of a thousand people easily and have done so. Um, and it's no problem. And I'm a little more nervous uh, when I'm street preaching. I'm not a gifted no. street preacher. Uh, mm. And that's fine. What I do know very clearly is the gospel. And so you trust God in those cases. But for most people, um, we're not talking about street preaching. We're talking about yeah. your neighbors who yeah. I hope you already know and you're more comfortable with, your family members you're more comfortable with. Um, and so methods, you know, make sure you understand the gospel. Um, and, and then I would say the methods is just after that, find something that makes it easier for you to, to get to the gospel. Maybe it is a track 
maybe it's right. your church's business card and invite your friend to church and say, hey, oh, by the way, um, are you familiar with what's on the back of that card? And let them read it. Um, and, and then just have a dialogue with yeah. them. I mean, so there's a million ways you can do it. And, and don't worry about the numbers. Uh, but the concern is, you know, are you being faithful? At the end of our life, the, the question is just going to be, were we faithful? Um, yeah. God will bring all of those who he wants to bring to himself. There won't be one person that God wants to save who doesn't get saved, right? And yet we're commanded uh, to evangelize. We're commanded to make disciples. You can't make disciples right. without making converts. And then I think, yeah, uh, thoughts on that before I want to close going to the Beatitudes to talk about the responses to evangelism. But any thoughts before we get to that? No, I, I think you're pretty thorough. Um, we're called to make disciples. And, you know, the wrong kind of methods, I'll add this, the wrong kind of methods are the methods that don't involve the gospel or waters down the gospel or changes the gospel or adds something on top of the gospel. Um, the, the right kind of methods is anything that works to get you into a gospel conversation, right? So that's ultimately what we're after is to, to be able to present the gospel, present it with love. First um, Peter 3.15 says, uh, with gentleness and, and reverence, um, share the truth, defend the hope that is within you. And yes, use words. There are people that suggest that you can share the gospel without using words. That's absolutely ridiculous. Now, that is not to say that our actions don't matter. They absolutely do matter. Because your behavior and your walk is what establishes credibility for the gospel, but the gospel is not your behavior. Your behavior is what gives credibility yeah. to it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it, you know, it has to be a call of repentance, turning from sin and trusting in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. That has to be the message. And ultimately, I, I, that's going to be offensive. It, it The gospel is yeah. offensive. The cross mm -hmm. is an offense. And so we've mm -hmm. got to get away from the idea of, you know, it, it, it unless people like us, we didn't do it right. Um, like you said, we, you know, we, we want to be gracious and we want to be kind. And I think some of that just comes from remembering that we weren't any different than them, right? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. First Corinthians chapter 6 you know, Paul gives this list, right, of uh, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexual, thieves, covetous, all this yeah. thing. And he says, none of these are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But then a couple verses later, he says, and such, such were, were some, some of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I think if we're honest, you know, even, even the quote unquote best of us before we were saved, we weren't good either. No. You know, I didn't do I, my my conversion story i didn't come out of anything that would be shocking to anyone yeah. or anything that would seem extreme i was a relatively quiet kind of person i don't know what happened to me um but i i was a relatively quiet kind of person i didn't really get into a lot of trouble i wasn't overly disobedient to parents growing up um i mean i was a pretty relatively yeah. good person but i tell you what i still hated god yeah. And I and at times I manipulated people and I lied mm -hmm. when it suited yeah. me and yeah. it was nothing major, but yeah. it was a part of my life and it was okay. Um, yeah. I did what I want with no thought to others, and that makes me just as evil and wicked as yeah. the drunkard. You know, it was just different. And so I think when we remind ourselves of that, um, it's easier to be kind to those who 
disagree with us on uh, worldview issues. No. Um, and, and then I think just as we close, it, I think this is something also that stops people. Um, the, the fear of man, right? Because the gospel does provoke um, hatred for God in people, right? Yeah. Those who hate God and who aren't responding, um, it they can't attack God, so they're going to attack you. But thankfully, Jesus speaks to that, and he gives us a great deal of comfort, right? In the Beatitudes, chapter 5 of Matthew, you know, uh, 10, yes, yeah, 10 verses yeah. 12, and it's kind of all spread out, right? But he says, blessed are you who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, um, mm. for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I, I, I promise you, especially in our culture now, um, when moving forward, this is going to get worse and worse. You're going to be persecuted. It, yeah. It's impossible to evangelize someone in the, the gay community, um, quote unquote community, uh, who's a homosexual and not be offensive. You have to call them to repent from that sin, right? And that's going to be offensive. Um, and it's not like we can just decide there's a whole group of people that, you know what? If you're LGBTQ, obviously you deserve hell, so I'm just not going to witness to you. Yeah. Never let a believer right. think that way. Um, right. Heaven forbid we ever get to that stage. No, they desperately need Christ and Paul just says to the Corinthians, such were some of them, right? right? Um, there were those who practiced those things in the Corinthian church who were safe from it. And so God has people who are currently stuck in the sin of homosexuality. Some of them are his sheep still lost and they need the gospel. And we just got to know for others, they're going to, you know, you'll be persecuted. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. Um, and, and let me tell you, it's tough. I'm, I'm no stranger, uh, to, to some of this and it, it is hard at times. Um, it's hard for the family at times, but you know what? The gospel is worth it. Christ is worth it. That person's soul, though they may hate me, it's worth giving them every opportunity, humanly speaking, to be saved out of their wretchedness and, and, and for the glory of Christ. Um, and we just have to persevere and lay hold of the promises God gives. And he gives a promise in verse 11, right? Or verse 12. Yeah, verse 12. He says, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is in, is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And, yeah. and so we've got to cling to that when it gets difficult. But we should we can never shrink back from the people who need the gospel just because, you know, they're going to say nasty things about us. or Maybe they call the cops on you. You know, we see all the videos of stuff. Yeah. And sometimes, <laughs> look, street preachers, sometimes they're just jerks and their actions deserve it in one way. Let us not be those kinds of people. But if we're kind and we're just calling people to repent, we're telling them about, you know, the 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 need for Christ in their life and the reality of hell, which they're headed to, Um and they revile us for that, then, yeah. you know, blessed are you, you know? Right. Any yeah, last I thoughts? All, all of those um, are, are good thoughts. As we have said, just uh, be intentional. Uh, think about uh, what methods will work best. And you know what? Different methods for different situations. Uh, maybe there's a, a long lost friend or a relative you haven't spoken to in a while. 
pull up a piece of paper and write out a letter. Write out a letter um, expressing your your care and concern for them. Share the gospel. Share your testimony. That's another thing, too. Your testimony, which is not, not the same thing as sharing the gospel, but your testimony can provide an important uh, bridge to the gospel. And in your testimony, as much as you can, insert elements of the gospel so that it may even be possible for them to be saved just by hearing your testimony. Um, so share your testimony. It's something that's personal to you. No one can take that away from you. Um, but a uh, great opportunity to be able to share something about yourself, share about where you came out of. It's 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 amazing how many people assume that I grew up in a Christian household, assume that I was, quote unquote, indoctrinated with this from a youngster. So it's good to let people know that, you know what? I was a traveling businessman. I was all over the world in, in major com companies, Fortune Fortune 500 companies, uh, all, all kinds of different countries, different industries. I was successful by worldly standards, but the gospel is what delivered me out of that. Um, not to say it was wrong to be in that world, but the, the, the gospel helped reshape my priorities, reshape my world, and ultimately led me to, uh, to being called into ministry to, to become a pastor. Not, everyone's, not everyone has that call, but the key is this, um, you know, just be intentional, be thoughtful, think, make a list, make a list of people that, uh, that, you know, you know, people who are your associates, people that your friends, family, people you haven't spoken to in a while and think to yourself, how can I get the gospel into their hands? Maybe it's sending a track, right? So, I mean, what we're saying is that there's so many ways to do this. Just do it, right? Uh, just, just figure out uh, how you want to present that, look for those opportunities and, and, uh, and as you do it, do it with love, do it uh, trusting in God, doing do it recognizing that just the act of faithfulness glorifies him regardless of how they respond. Yeah, we want Christ to be glorified. And so in your weakness, wherever you're weak, Christ will be strong and you just got to get out and do it. Good words. Well, I hope that this has been helpful for you guys. Uh, by the way, just as a reminder, we do have a YouTube channel. You can find us uh, at uh, Truth Be Known on YouTube. We'd love for you to hit the subscribe button there. Share this podcast if it's been helpful to you. And by the way, we'd love to get your emails. All this information will be in the show notes. Just let us know how God's working in your life if he's uh, used any of these episodes to help grow you. We'd love to rejoice with you. I think it's a big encouragement when we get to hear your stories. And so uh, thank you for listening. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.